Who's afraid of spiders? Have a look at this handsome brute, which uh, we found or I found in our sink some time ago. I'm not terrified of spiders, but I don't like them. But I'm the one who, to, who had to take this spider out to a distant street, because our street was too close, and put him down a distant drain. Uh, but there are, people are afraid of lots of things, aren't they? We are afraid of lots of things, aren't we? So some of the phobias, are, I think arachnophobia is fear of spiders. Agoraphobia is fear of crowds. Acluophobia is fear of the dark. I certainly had that as a child, terrified of the dark. Claustrophobia, fear of small spaces. Or cyberphobia, fear of computers. I think lots of people would claim that. And if you have kids, here's one for you. Because ephebiphobia is fear of teenagers. There is actually a fear of schools as well, but I won't tell you the name of that. Uh, and there's even a phobophobia, which is a fear of fears. And um, people do have real fears, though, don't they? And we have worries and concerns as well as fears. So today we're looking at the, at the question, what did Jesus say about fear? What did Jesus say about worry? Sometimes we wake up in the night, me too, worried about things. It could be family, relationships, money, uh, jobs, uh, or things actually which in the morning seem fine, but worry us at the time. Me too. And the Bible has a lot to say about fears. Danny mentioned uh, that there's many times in the Bible uh, that God says, do not be afraid. For example, back in Genesis, God, the first thing God says to Isaac is, don't be afraid. Or in the Christmas story, when um, an angel, God, God sends an angel to Zechariah, the first thing he says is, don't be afraid. Or even to Mary, Gabriel says, don't be afraid, and to the shepherds. That statement repeats over and over again. So we know, first of all, that lots of people in the Bible were afraid were worried. And that should be a reassurance as well. These great men and women, they were afraid as well. So it's okay to be afraid sometimes. It's okay. Just like it's okay to have doubts sometimes, that's okay. It's not weak or shameful, it's actually human. Or as someone once said, courage isn't the complete absence of fear. Courage is doing the right thing even when I'm afraid. Courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is doing the right thing, even when I am afraid. So we see here, lots of people in the Bible were afraid, and God says, don't be afraid. But how are we not to be afraid? It's all right saying, don't be afraid. What if I am afraid? I feel afraid. Just saying, don't be afraid, isn't that helpful? How does our faith, our Christian faith, help us? Well, let me just say that uh, uh, before I answer that, a problem that we often have as Christians is that we reduce the gospel down to two events, two points in time. Jesus came around 0 AD and he's coming back again. Well, Jesus came and died on a cross and then I'm going to heaven. These two points, which is a shame because there's a big bit in the middle that's missing, which is my life now, your life right now. Christ-centred living in difficult times is about living well now. And Jesus' life gives us clues to how to live well now. It's not about escaping the world's problems or diving into our private theology. It's not about disconnecting from the bad world out there. Christ-centred living in troubling times is about somehow embracing the struggles in life, but seeing them in context. Seeing them in context. So this passage that Sarah read, it talks about being flogged, being beaten. It talks about being dragged before the authorities for, for our faith. It 
talked about being turned against our own families. Sometimes that can happen. There's pretty scary stuff in there, actually, that these first century Christians uh, were, were up against. Clearly, um, much is given to us, but much is expected from Christians. The claims of the gospel have a high, have a high claim on our life. And this, in this passage, that was the reason that Jesus was saying, don't worry. He was saying, you will be persecuted for your faith. Now, for us today, it might be that, or it might be any of these other reasons I've talked about. Relationships, job, family, children. And three times in this passage, Jesus says to his disciples, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let me remind you from verse 26. So he says, don't be afraid of them. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What's whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Don't be afraid of them who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Let yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Even the very hairs of your head have been numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. <clears throat> so here's the point. God never says, don't be afraid, period, finished. God never says, pull your socks up, stop being a wimp. God never says, man up, and leaves it at that point. God always says, don't be afraid, and here's the reason. Don't be afraid because of this reason. Think about the reason. This passage, Jesus talks about two sparrows, the cheapest uh, of foods for the poor. And he says, I don't want you to worry because you're worth more than many sparrows to God. That's the reason to not be afraid. God has even counted the hairs of your, on your head. That's the reason to not be afraid. So Jesus sets our fears, God sets our fears in context of being deeply loved and deeply cared for. And actually, we see these throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture. So, for example, back in Isaiah 43, God says, do not be afraid because I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name and you are mine. Don't be afraid because this is the reason I've called you by your name. You belong to me. Or Jesus in John chapter 14 says, don't be afraid. In this world, you will have troubles, but take heart. I've overcome the world. That's the reason to not be afraid. Take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. Or the psalmist in Psalm 23, that well-known psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's the reason. Or again, back in Isaiah 41, do not be afraid, says God, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will lift you up with my righteous right hand. That's the reason, because God will strengthen you and help you. He will lift you up. And even right at the end of Scripture, so we saw back in Genesis with Isaac, God says, don't be afraid. Even right at the end of Scripture in uh, Revelation chapter 1, the revelation to John, uh, God says to him, or Jesus it is, says to him, then he placed his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. Behold, I was dead and now I am alive. That's the reason we see in that case, even death has lost its power. That death no longer has the final word. Death has been overtaken by something even stronger than death. That's the reason to not be afraid. God never says simply stop being frightened, stop being a wimp. Never says that. 
he always places our fears into 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 context so we by bringing to mind god's unique assurances we can we that that's the way that that we deal with our fears that's the way we should be dealing with with our fears to somehow abiding in god to find that place with god to stop dwelling on the problem and dwell on him it's not easy but it is possible we're to concentrate on him on finding him on seeking his face how do we do that really well, imagine this. I don't know about you, but um, when, I, when my girls were little, one of the things I liked to do, I think it was uh, at Bramble Park and Lime Park, there's a hill, there's two there's, there are hills, and, and I used to take them by the hand and we'd run down the hill. Maybe you've done that with your children, taking them, by, taking them by the hand and run down a steep hill. Or maybe you remember as a child taking your mummy or, or your daddy's hand and running down a steep hill. Well, once there was a girl who was running down a hill and um, she was quite okay to start with holding his hand. But the thing is, daddy's legs were moving like this because he had big, long strides, whereas the little girl's legs were moving like this because she had very small legs. And after a short time, she realised, I can't run this fast. Everything's moving too fast. It's too steep. So she thinks, I can't run down this hill. What I will do, I will hold on to my daddy's hand. Then I don't have to worry about my legs. So she does that. She holds on to his hand and stops thinking about running, which is OK for another few seconds. But then she realises even that doesn't work. The ground is running too fast. It's too steep. It's so bumpy. Everything is coming at me so fast. I can't hold on. And then and only then does she realise a profound but a, a simple but extraordinary point that it doesn't matter that she can't hold on to her daddy's hand. Because guess what? Her daddy is holding on to her hand. It doesn't matter that she can't hold on to her daddy's hand because her daddy is holding on to her hand. Your ability to hold on, sorry, God's ability to hold on to you has nothing to do with your ability to hold on to him. God's ability to hold you has nothing to do with your ability to hold on to him. I've had to discover that in my life a long time ago and repeatedly since then. Because I become sometimes overly worried, overly concerned, overly feared. And I have to remember that God's ability to hold on to me is not, has nothing to do with my ability to hold on to him. He will hold me. His grip is firm. His hold is strong. He will hold me fast. So the little girl can enjoy the ride and look into her daddy's face and just enjoy the ride. We forget sometimes, don't we, uh, what a great big God we have, that he does hold us in his hands that he is so much bigger than the world that worries us. Just uh, in closing, in the aftermath of 9-11 in 2001, when the Twin Towers lay smouldering on the ground and the world was in trauma, Ravi Zacharias spoke of something. He died recently. He spoke of steadying the soul when the heart is under pressure. Steadying the soul when the heart is under pressure. That's what that little girl did in her simple way. She found a way to steady her soul when her heart was under pressure. When there's, that, this, that's what we're called to do in our lives. When there is fear, hype and excessive news around us about this pandemic. To steady our soul when our heart is under pressure. To abide in God. To find him, to seek his face, to rest in him. To remind ourselves of those assurances throughout scripture that we can read, that I've talked about. 
Let's just pray as we finish. And this is particularly if you're like me and you're a worrier and worries sometimes wake you up in the night. Pray with me now. Just bring to mind whatever it is, something that's worrying you today. Something maybe coming up next week, something that even maybe giving you fear today, causing you to be afraid. And as you think of that thing, just imagine God. He fills the scene. He fills your vision. He fills the horizon. He's so much bigger than that thing, and you, which you can just place at the foot of a cross. Then feel his hand on your shoulder, his hand on your hand. His grip is firm. His hold is strong. He won't let go. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your great love and concern for us. We give you, Lord, our concern and our, our fear right now. Thank you that you hold us, Lord, when we can't hold on to you. Lord, help us to, to know that deeply and truly this day, this week. In Jesus' name, amen.